Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. One of my big goals in life is to eliminate the concept of a rock bottom. I don't know where the fuck we started with this, having a rock bottom. Like every person that wants to do something to improve their lives always say, oh, my my rock bottom. And I'll tell you what, guys, I have had a rock bottom. Actually, I think I've actually had more than one rock bottom in my life. That's weird. That's weird. I feel like people are always waiting to decide that they don't want to do something anymore once they have allowed that to get out of control. So a rock bottom, which my friend, uh, my friend Elliot told me about was he said, it's just being the furthest away from your fullest potential, which made a lot of sense. I mean, my rock bottom it was 2018 and I had gone to visit my boyfriend at the time in Ohio and we were drinking aggressively and we got into a disagreement and it ended up with him leaving me at the airport. I didn't have a flight to return to New York and uh, it was the dead of winter and I was just kind of there like on a bench the TSA wasn't even there yet. There were people that were sleeping on the ground. I don't know anything about those people. And it was one of the lowest moments of my adult life. I never before had experienced feeling so discarded, like as if I I didn't matter. And it was so interesting because I viewed myself as such a piece of human waste at that point. And I remember reaching out to one of his friends who was with us that night. And I think that I phrased the way that I reached out as like, I was concerned about my ex because he wasn't answering my phone calls. That's how I phrased that. Like I was 32 at the time and just sort of dumped there and I didn't even value myself enough to say to this man, I was left at this airport by like, I, like what the fuck? I didn't even think to say that. I phrased it in a completely different way and I was just like, 
It was it was fucking horrible. And um I realized after that that I really needed to get my my life together. And I di- and I didn't stop drinking after that. Like I I like severely cut down on my drinking after that. But I hadn't stopped drinking. I I used that as a catalyst to get my health in order. I started eating right. I started taking my running more seriously and I became somewhat overnight a a thin athletic non-smoker. I mean, really, it was incredible. But I had to hit a rock bottom before I was able to do that. And the same thing kind of happened when I stopped drinking altogether. It was it was Christmas and I just was so unable to get a handle on my emotions because Christmas Eve was um, the day my father passed away. So my father passed away uh, a year ago and it was, um, oh, sorry, a year before I stopped drinking, exactly a year before Christmas. He passed away on Christmas Eve. So it was an entire year later um, that I I was experiencing grief and sadness and I was around my family and my family dynamic over the holidays is nothing short of fucked up. And so between not being able to handle the family dynamic and dealing with the guilt of my father's passing, you know, I really, I really allowed my emotions to control me for what was about three days and it was awful for my, for my family members. They had to put up with me. They were less than nice about it. I mean, they were like, they were fine. Like they, they weren't mean to me, but they weren't exactly coddling and loving and, you know, and appeasing. They were just, they, they were kind of in, they were kind of in a fuck you mindset. And rightfully, like they, they had every right to be that way. But it was after that um, emotional upheaval for three days that I decided to finally stop drinking. I wish that I had stopped way before that. But I was always sort of kind of going forward in life with this idea that if I hadn't hit this rock bottom, that I wouldn't need to stop doing what I was doing. I just thought like people that need to stop drinking are people that are drinking in the morning. They're people that aren't showing up to their jobs. They're people that are constantly failing in relationships that don't have money. And I wasn't any of those things. I mean, I was... I, all right, I'm not the best at relationships, but there's a, there's a laundry list of reasons why I'm why relationships are not my strongest suit, mainly because they're not a priority for me. But I mean, romantic relationships, but my friendships are all very strong. I mean, everything just was always so cohesively tied together that I didn't think that I ever needed to do anything like that. I was like, no, I I can continue to drink. Like drinking is enjoyable, and I was waiting for this rock bottom. But there were little things that just were getting out of control on my everyday that I wasn't paying attention to because I was, I was consistently looking on the horizon for what would be this rock bottom. So I'm a runner and uh, I, would, I would schedule drinking into my running, my running schedule. So if I had, at the time I think I was, but by the time I stopped drinking, I think I was running five days a week. So now I run six to seven days a week. Back then I was running four to five and I would say, oh, well, you know, my, my friend Josh and I are going out on Monday. So we go out on Monday nights. So I'm not going to run on Tuesdays. Like I would, I would sacrifice things in my life because I wanted to consume alcohol. Like I scheduled 
alcohol consumption into the day-to-day. Like, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's that's weird. And how many of you guys do that? How many of you guys think, all right, well, I'm going to have a few glasses of wine on this night, so I know that on this day I'm not going to do that. Or, or, or you think about a trip that you're taking and you think, okay, well, I know we're going to be drinking on this particular day. It's always, it's like little stuff like that. But alcohol is one of those things where it's not a problem until it is. And the thing about addiction to alcohol is, yes, there is a part of it that's genetic, but a lot of, a lot of it is just habitual use over the course of time. And everybody kind of starts in the same place. And the harder you hit that, like, I, I don't know a better way to say it. The harder you hit it, the faster it's going to happen for you. So if you're 18 years old and you're drinking a case of beer every day, like, you you might hit it faster. And there's a lot of chemical reasons in the brain for this. This isn't just me talking out of my asshole. I mean, there's there's chemical reasons why this happens. But people think that if they haven't hit this rock bottom, this this mystical thing on the horizon that that you've either hit or you haven't hit, they think if they haven't hit that point that they don't need to even consider the fact that their relationship has become disordered with alcohol. Now, it's an addictive substance. It's a poisonous substance. There is nothing good about it. It does nothing good for your body. Do not give me the stupid statistic about the glass of wine. You can eat pomegranates and have the same effect. Ladies and gentlemen, so don't dump that. There's no positivity. This is a load of shit that's been fed to you because alcohol is seen as positive by our society. Businessmen, how many, like the, the idea of succeeding in business, how many times do you need to be in a room with someone where you're having a drink with them? How many times? You need to know certain social graces with regards to alcohol scotch for example bourbon just the whole experience of sharing a drink with another person can sometimes make or break whether or not you get to sit in certain rooms with certain people to provide yourself success so yeah I totally get why we're very leery and cognizant of this rock bottom and whether or not we have hit it just because you haven't hit it does not mean that you do not experience some dependency on alcohol. So if you're a person that drinks a glass of wine every day, I hate to break it to you, but if you feel a little uneasy when you don't have your calming down glass of wine at the end of the day, I'm sorry to tell you, that is a minor addiction to alcohol. You don't think it because you're not experiencing any other feelings with regard to it. You don't feel like headaches or shakes or anything like that. So you think this is totally fine. And is it a problem in your life? No, of course not. It's just a glass of wine every night. I mean, it's probably enough that you could still operate a motor vehicle. I mean, it's not even an issue. You're not showing up late to work. You're not having fights with your husband or your wife. I mean, you're not... You're not in any of those situations that we talk about where we think, okay, like I have a problem. But you are experiencing a minor addiction to alcohol. 
Now that glass of wine after, you know, maybe five or six or seven years might become two glasses. And then you might drink two glasses every night for, you know, a few years. And then it might be a bottle of wine every night. Now I know some people are like, no, I would never let it get that way. Yeah, I mean, sure, you might not or you might. You know, I I think about this a lot with with beer drinking because I used to be a beer drinker and I was I was one of those people that like to class it up. I love to drink good beer because I beer is great. Beer is like the elixir of the gods. Like if there's one thing in the world I fucking miss, it's beer. Those Heine zero zeros, they're fine. Like they taste like they they do it for me, but I really did enjoy the awkward not awkward the odd creative processes of people that were brewing beer I just think the taste of beer is so cool and great but the beer drinking really kind of got out of control for me when they opened up a bar that specialized in craft beer a block from my apartment and my now ex-boyfriend and I would go in there we would we would we love to drink and the owner he would drink goose island bourbon county i mean he was he was always drinking that i forget the percentage i think it's like 13% alcohol by volume and they would only serve it in very small quantities it was so strong i mean you might as well be drinking you know something like like uh, like a malt beverage or a wine the alcohol content was just so high and we would drink those and, uh, you know, my ex-boyfriend would also drink a cider with it because it was so heavy that he would need another alcoholic beverage to wash it down with. And we would we would do this. So we would drink that and then we would drink other really high ABV craft beers and they were delicious. And in New York City, if you're 200 feet from a church, you can't serve spirits. So you can't have, you know, you can't, you can only have beer or wine. So this particular establishment was less than 200 feet from a church. So they couldn't serve spirits. And we would go in there and we would leave so trashed. Like I wouldn't, I would not remember the evening. Like it was, it was fucking weird. And I used to drink this other, this other beer called Prairie Bomb, which was a very similar ABV. And I mean, I wouldn't remember the evening. And it's just drinking beer, right? I mean, that's that's what it is. Except that it's not. I mean, it's drinking. I mean, it's you think you're having an experience like you would have like a like a like a gustatory experience, um, where you you would like you would at a gastro pub with with food, where you would be trying new things, and in the culture, you were you were enjoying you were experiencing, you were trying, and yet you are putting poison into your body. And nobody, and you don't think about it that way. It's not like wine drinkers, it's a slippery slope, because wine is, is the same kind of experience. Wine is pleasurable. Wine has various degrees of, if you read uh, Craig Beck's Alcohol Lied to Me, he talks about this a lot, about how sometimes we'll operate under the guise of we are aficionados of a certain type of spirit, and we all do it. I mean, we all do it with, with our... I mean, People, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a slap and say that vodka drinkers do not do it. Because how fucking fancy can you get with vodka? I mean, the, the better the vodka, the, the less it tastes like anything. 
<laughs> but you know, people that are drinking beer and wine and 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 bourbon and all and all of those spirits. I mean, we're really we're all just trying to operate under this under this umbrella. Gin, even though gin's a clear spirit, I mean, oh, I really taste the juniper berries. Like we're trying to all be such such classy motherfuckers. And all we are is abusing a drug. Like that's all we're doing. We're abusing a drug and we're trying to we're trying to mask it with our own with our own bougie-ness and that's how it gets out of control. You know, you're not you're not at the rock bottom and then when you are getting to that that level, you know, it's so easy for it to slip from you because what you think you're doing is just really enjoying your life and often doing it with family and friends and there's not there's not this this stigma. I mean, you're not you're not engaging in risky behavior. I mean, you might not be. I mean, you might be. I mean, I know that I get horny as fuck when I am drunk. Um, you know, thankfully in my life I've I've always managed to be safe, but I there there are people that I know who are not. And you know, I mean, cuz you don't even you're sloppy about it. Like, I mean, we become <laughs> you when you're drunk like we become the horniest motherfuckers like we just want to smash into one another like I mean we don't even care and the thing is the sex is always so fucking sloppy it's always terrible like it's terrible every fucking time but we want to be we want to be um we want to be that way and so yeah like how many times you know are you engaging in behaviors that you know, you wake up the next day and maybe you didn't do something that would ruin your entire life, but you certainly woke up the next day and thought, uh, oh, that's, I did that. Uh. We've all had it. Like, we've had it. You know, we've all, we've all kind of been in those situations. I, I know I definitely have. So the idea of kind of cutting that out I just would love to pose the question, like, why are we waiting for the rock bottom? Like, why are we waiting for the time when it's out of control? Can we be better about recognizing it in the present? Recognizing where we're at with it? Where where are we in our relationship with alcohol? That where are we in that process? Because what happens is actually very scientific, your brain is smart. So your brain is releasing chemicals. Like your your brain is releasing – anytime that you consume alcohol, your your brain releases a rush of, a rush of chemicals, uh, endorphins, stimulants, dopamine. And um, when you're used to consuming a large amount of alcohol, your brain kind of anticipates that. So it will react no matter how much you drink – as if you were going to drink that amount. So let's say that you're a person that drinks, let's say you have you have let your relationship with alcohol get out of control and you are drinking a, bot, a fifth of some sort of spirit every night. And then you decide, oh my God, like I have a problem. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop drinking this fifth of alcohol every night. And by the way, if you're drinking a fifth of alcohol every night, you do have a problem. Um, but I don't need to tell you that. Like <laughs> you know. Um, and that's okay because you can definitely get help and there is no stigma attached and everybody is going to support you and be wonderful to you. I promise you that. Like if you reach out for help, that will happen. Um, so I just wanted to let you know. Like that's not, 
There's no shame in, in any of it. Um, but let's say that you are that person. And then let's say that you are successful in stopping stopping that. You decide to stop drinking and, and everything is great. Well, the next time that this is why alcoholics fall off the wagon. You're, the next time you go back to drink, what's happening is your brain is anticipating that. So it's releasing a ton of fucking chemicals. You have one sip of alcohol. You might only go into it planning to have one drink, but your brain is planning for you to drink a bottle. So it releases this rush of chemicals which subside and then you are filled with this overwhelming anxiety. And that anxious feeling can only be satiated by what? Another drink. So this is why it's a slippery slope and it happens so quickly and the relationship progresses in the way that it does. The relationship with alcohol is that whatever level you get to it, get to with it, your brain is is right there and it's it's irreversible, unfortunately. So let's let's think about where we're at. Let's think about what we're experiencing every day. Because the rock bottom, that is the end of the road. We don't have to get there before we decide that we don't want to do this anymore. We don't need to reach that. You don't need to be sitting in the fucking Columbus, Ohio airport fucking puking in the single person restroom post TSA after you finally were able to buy a ticket praying that your mother doesn't fucking find out because you're embarrassed. You know, I mean, just, just crying I mean I had a a person ask me if I was okay and I thought to myself oh my god am I that bad that this stranger is asking me if I'm okay like do I look and then I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like I'm disgusting like I am absolutely disgusting you don't do you want to have nobody wants to have that experience like let's not normalize let's not normalize an experience like that let's not normalize you sleeping in a gutter or you waking up in some you know god knows where place let's not normalize breaking a bone or losing a job like why are we normalizing that we're saying okay well you don't have a problem until you've reached that Let's not do that anymore. Like my goal is I want to eliminate the rock bottom. You shouldn't have to reach the rock bottom. Like it should be normal for you to decide that whatever is going on today is enough. And I want to normalize the fact that other people around you are going to agree and support that rather than saying, oh no man, you're not, you're not, you're not drinking at 10 a.m. You don't need to worry about it. Like bitch, yes you do. You need to worry about it. You need to worry about it. You need to put yourself first. This is part of loving yourself. Loving yourself to notice what's going on and realizing that you have the ability to fix it. And you don't need, you know, to keep digging the knife in deeper until you have this really awful scar that is you know, going to become or this really awful wound that's going to become infected. Like you don't need to keep doing that. You can stop at a paper cut. You know, like that, that. we should normalize that. We should be doing that. So that's my message of the day for this particular episode. Like as always, as always, if you guys know somebody that you think should listen to this or somebody that, you know, is struggling, I would love to tell you that like 
it is absolutely going to get better and I am here for that and I want everybody, I want to share this with as many people as possible. So please feel free to share, subscribe. I'm going to keep all of you updated in email and it's it's just going to be, I want us to be on this this journey together because I really think that it's important. So I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Check back for the next episode. I really, I love you all. Take care. Thank you.